In the Quantum Questions podcast today, we're exploring the subject, passion, feelings, emotions, and what is the gold in these? Lucy Pattinson will be interviewing Maria Porsfeldt. Lucy is the co-founder of the Quantum Questions. She's also been a breath coach for over 30 years, leading seminars and running a private practice. Maria has been a teacher of yoga and tantra for 15 years. She is the principal coordinator of Tara in London, which is a charity that promotes well-being, personal and spiritual growth. She helps to run courses for retreats, women's groups and a wide variety of events. So welcome to our listeners today for the Quantum Questions podcast. I'm really pleased to have Maria Porsfeldt here. I've been wanting to have her on the Quantum Questions podcast and she has extraordinary skills at presenting very complex knowledge in an understandable way. So I gave her the choice of what subject she would like to talk to us about today and she wants to talk about passions, emotions, feelings and what is the gold in that fantastic subject not just for women, men that are listening, this is for men and women. My first question to you Maria, apart from welcome, um, is why did you want to talk about this particular subject? Um, I guess it's something that has always been of interest to me, being a fairly passionate person, (laughs) Um, but also considering the circumstances that many of us have been enduring lately, where it maybe has been more challenging to actually be happy and feel good and and also being maybe stuck inside a bit more. We can't distract ourselves from what we're feeling in the way that maybe normally we tend to do. I quite consider that an advantage myself, <laughs> having some time to actually check in and, and maybe go a bit more um, in depth with what is happening on the inside. But I think for many, it has been really challenging because suddenly you have to actually be confronted with a lot of stuff that maybe you were not paying attention to, difficult emotions. Also because the situation is just so difficult for many, maybe there is fear, uh, anxiety, worries, and so on coming up. And, and I, I think it's something that, generally speaking, we don't pay attention to enough, but at least not in the right way, maybe, our emotional life and, and how it, it fits. Yeah, because it feels like, particularly the negative emotions, is they can just take over and you almost feel like you have no choice, particularly like with anxiety, depression. You just think that is how you're feeling and almost wait for it to pass but that isn't the most powerful approach to this is it no but but i think often because we are not so used to the whole idea of actually being better at dealing with our emotions we're kind of used to trying to get rid of the bad ones and get the good ones but but the problem is that when we are just sort of going with what happens as as you say we kind of feel overwhelmed if you notice, it actually happens also when we're happy. It's, it's just that then we don't mind <laughs> somehow. That, that when we feel really happy or excited or in love or something, we also feel very carried away, maybe with the passion in, in those cases as well. But th- then we don't mind that happening because we like it and we want more of it. But then when that's how we deal with emotions, of course, that also happens with the difficult ones and we get carried away with those two, so to speak, where indeed it can seem completely impossible to even do anything when a very intense emotion uh, unfolds. And especially if it's a negative one that we actually don't want to be feeling. 
So what is the way to, um, I don't know if it's the right language, but maybe take charge of our emotions so that we're, the emotions aren't taking charge of us. Is that the right language or? Um, in a sense, but, but I, I think somehow often what we understand by taking charge of is getting it under control and meaning suppressing it a bit and making sure that we don't get too passionate, so to speak, yeah. in either direction. Um, and this tendency to suppress, especially when we feel intensely negative emotions, if we get very angry, for instance, we think that we shouldn't be feeling like that. And we try to pretend we're not, we try to push it down, to get away from it, to distract ourselves uh, from that anger or, or whatever else it is that we're feeling. And, and then at the same time, we kind of just end up becoming a bit flat because we start to suppress all of our emotions. And if we're not able to freely let an emotion unfold, then we also can't be extremely happy because that's also an emotion that needs space to be. So when we become very controlled in such a forceful way, in a way it dampens somehow our inner emotional life, which can also make us just feel a bit flat, generally speaking. Um, so the way of, of dealing with emotions, because of course there is an element of control, it's not just about expressing them all in however way they show up, because indeed it can be somehow even destructive at times, um, how that manifests. The first thing to realize is that you don't have to act right in that moment. Um, I don't know if you noticed when you have a very intense emotion, your first feeling is that you have to do something. And it does actually whether it's a good or a bad one, but you have to have this feeling you need to do something about it and you need to do it right now. And then we try to express it in various ways. Maybe we're not even conscious that this happens, but we just start to express it in, in different ways. And then maybe noticing that we try not to express it and therefore to try to get rid of it. Um, but to be able to stop in that moment and realize you don't actually have to act, that, that is the place where we need to, to start, which is really difficult to do because in that moment when you have an intense emotion of anger or fear or anxiety, all the chemical reactions in your body that comes along with it is also pushing you towards doing something about it. We're, we're wired like that from an evolutionary perspective to respond to a threat immediately. Um, but now in our modern society, of course, it becomes a little bit more complex because you can consider that in <laughs> more um, ancient societies, when you were afraid of something, of a threat, often it was because there was a threat to your life, like objectively speaking, maybe a wild animal or something. And, and therefore you needed to act immediately and without thinking about it, without considering, without pausing and considering what to do next and so on. You just needed to run or whatever would be the appropriate response. Um, nowadays, we, we're confronted with a lot of things we perceive as threats but they're not somehow so imminent and, and maybe not even so real uh, because we will consider anything a threat that, that kind of hurts our image or our self-esteem or makes us just not feel good about ourselves. And therefore we have a lot of reactions all the time to a lot of things that maybe are not actually appropriate to what is going on. And therefore this uh, ability to just stop for a moment and notice what is going on is essential to cultivate, to, to start to have a choice in how you actually respond to what you're feeling, because what you're feeling is one thing. And then there is the, we can say, making it more afterwards. Um, 
if somebody makes you angry, for instance, they say something and upsets you. Okay, you feel a feeling there, you feel an emotion, you're upset. But usually when it becomes really intense, that feeling of anger or being upset about what they said, it doesn't come immediately. It, it kind of grows the more you think about what happened. So the more times you go over what happened in that moment and kind of, kind of get into a spin around it, we can say, the more that feeling amplifies. And, and that at least for sure we can, can stop, so to speak, the amplifying of thoughts around it and, uh, and reacting to it in a way that's out of proportion with what actually was going on, what we were actually feeling in that moment. Yeah, they say often with problems with couples, it can be one five minute conversation can cause five years of problems after that, you know, because no one is forgiving, letting go, they're stuck in those words within a five minute conversation. It's really tragic, actually. Yeah, and also what gets that so stuck in your system are all the emotions that come along with it. Because if it was just a disagreement that was kind of not so passionate, let's say, or not so involved, it wouldn't have such an impact, big impact on your being, as in the case of intense emotions being involved, which of course, when we are in a romantic, erotic relationship, there are a lot of emotions and intensity of emotions involved. And then everything that happens becomes much more powerful and makes a much bigger impression on us. So I'm just trying to understand a little bit better when you say not to act and react to emotions. What are you saying? You just sit still for a little bit? Are you saying you sit still for a long time? What exactly are you doing when you're not acting? Um, before going more into this, maybe I think it's important to understand what emotions are, like what, what is actually happening in that moment, because that maybe will also change our relationship to the experience. Um, because emotions are, in fact, we can say our inner reactions to different experiences or energies that we come in contact with. So, so we have different inner responses to what is going on and, and what we, we experience in life. In a way, you can even um, say that uh, emotion is what makes up an experience. Because if you imagine just perceiving something, if you have an experience and you're just collecting data through the senses, um, it, it's, not, it's not having the quality of an experience. We can say something that is, is um, making you feel something. Because when we have perceptions, when we have experience, it does have an impact on us. We feel something as a result of having that experience, whether it's tasting something, we like it, we don't like it, we enjoy it. Um, we want more of it, whatever our response is, there is somehow, we can say, personal element in that that makes it an experience rather than just a perception. Um, and and that, that's somehow the role of emotions there. They, they make something an experience for us. Um, and, and the emotions in this way, when we are having emotions about something, <laughs> anything really, it's telling us as much about ourselves as it does about what we're experiencing. Um, now, very often when we relate to emotions, it's more in the blaming it on somebody. You made me angry, you hurt me and therefore I'm sad. Uh, we tend to project it on the outside, making the emotion about something that happened. Yeah. When in reality, the emotion is about me when I'm feeling it. 
it's about what's happening at least as much about what is happening inside of me in that moment in the response to the experience that I'm having. Um, and, and that's a very important thing to, to realize in this um, because that might also change the way you, you pause, you can say before you react. Um, because obviously if I consider it's your fault that I'm angry, then the obvious reaction will be to project that anger on you somehow and to blame you for that anger, which will also make me quite powerless, by the way, because if it's your fault I'm angry, there isn't much I can do about it unless you stop being in a way that makes me angry, which is very often our logic. Um, but when I, if I realize that that emotion, I connect with what happened, is actually mine and, and says at least as much about me and my experience in that moment as it does about your actions, the whole perspective shifts and, and becomes different. Your experience of what is going on becomes different because then maybe you want to look at why is it that I'm so angry? <laughs> I mean, what was it in this situation that just made me so furious? Because maybe you weren't even aware that you made me angry with what you said or did. You, you might be going happy about your day, not realizing at all, which was even more this part of the emotional response and experience that is actually ours. And is saying much more about our inner world and our inner setup and our attitudes and ways of relating to others and life. Um, so therefore, in, in a moment where we feel an intense emotion, um, a good place to start is actually with the body because it's so concrete. Um, when you have a, an emotion, just about any emotion, if you pay attention, you can feel it somewhere in your body. The body responds very intensely to emotions. Um, that's also why we have a lot of physical problems related to experiences of stress. Uh, basically, being in this, we can say, kind of high alert, flight or fight, sort of the bear is coming attitude constantly, without really realizing that maybe the threat isn't so real. We stay in that alert kind of reaction all the time, which uh, makes our digestion suspended because we need to be ready to run. It makes our immune system drop because it doesn't matter if we get the flu next week, if the bear is going to get us and so on. Um, and when we live like that constantly, it starts to have very adverse effects on our, on our body. But whenever we feel something, it will have an impact on our body immediately, uh, even through these chemical reactions. Maybe we feel it as a tightness in the stomach or in the chest. Maybe we feel we can't breathe so well. Maybe we tense in the shoulders. But usually you will notice something happens. Even when you feel happy, you can feel somehow the body relaxing and opening up and, and the energy is moving in a different way, however you relate to your physical experience. Um, so that's a good place to start, just, just checking in and saying, hey, how am I, how am I, uh, am I feeling right now? What, what is going on? Can give a bit of an anchor because otherwise indeed it can be so tempting to just run off with that feeling and, and be very difficult actually to take that moment um, again keeping in mind that your whole body chemistry somehow is pushing you towards a reaction it takes a bit of, of awareness and self-discipline and in that moment to to not do that um, so so checking in what's going on in my body and then also kind of just becoming aware of what it is you're feeling and, and, and taking a moment to contemplate that, what is actually going on with me here? <laughs> and, and why is it that I'm so angry? In many cases, you might actually figure out it has nothing to do with what you said to me or something like that, but, but rather the fact that I build up some frustrations about other things in my life or whatever it is. 
the why maybe is not so important in, in that moment, but at least the taking the moment of, of noticing what is going on and realizing that you do have a choice how you respond to that feeling. Um, again, that you, you asked how long that can take. 30 seconds that can take five, 10 minutes, <laughs> that can take even longer, depending again on the intensity of, of that emotional experience and, and how deep a pattern that reaction is. So you can imagine really why all this complexity around dealing with emotions, why people just go to the head. And maybe that's the best thing. Maybe we should be ruled by our head rather than our heart, cool headed approach. Mm, that that's the that's the approach of what I would more call a, a suppression in the sense that we disconnect from our emotions often like that. Um, and indeed, it's a very popular tactics, so to speak, approach to this. Because because you see many who are very caught in this problem of actually overthinking. Now, maybe the, the, the most obvious thing that strikes you if you meet people who have that <laughs> tendency to filter everything tensely through the mind and have a tight grip on their emotions is that they almost can never make a choice about anything. Like it's very hard for them to make a decision because they have to overthink things constantly. And whenever they have an interaction or an experience, they need to think about it a lot. And, and somehow it can be hard to even feel that you can have a kind of a real-time flowing interaction with a person who is extremely somehow caught in in their mind. Um, of course, there are varying degrees of, of uh, this more mind approach, um, which could indeed seem to be more advantageous in the sense that that you seem much more correct. <laughs> and you, you don't ever have emotional outbursts that are not fitting and and you you seem to be functioning in a very pleasant way so to speak. Um, but then there are a lot of side effects to, to such an approach. First of all, that, that I mean, a lot of physical illnesses can often spring out exactly because you can be very stressed and keep a lot of things pushed tight onto the surface, which your body will react to because they're still there even if you ignore them, the feelings. Um, and the feelings is something that will always be there, whether you pay attention to it or not. Indeed, you can learn to suppress it so much you almost don't notice, but it will still have an effect on your body. Um, and then there is the, the other part of, of the role of, of feelings in this, that feelings are also, or emotions are also, what gives us a sense of meaning and, and fulfillment and a feeling of being alive. So, so even this, this problem of feeling that life is kind of meaningless or that you're lacking direction or nothing makes sense, depression actually, <laughs> this feeling of just somehow feeling disconnected and empty, very often is because we have a bad relationship with our emotions and therefore disconnect from our inner life, which reduces the quality of a human existence. So it's a very, very big price we pay for being correct or cool, we can say in, in the interaction with the world and, and each other. Not to mention the very, very big impact it has on our ability to be intimate, both with ourselves and, and with a, another human being, um, which I consider one of the fundamental needs of a human existence is the feeling of profound intimacy with others. If we can't be intimate with ourselves, if we can't even accept our own emotions and, and be with them, 
but but have to suppress them and take this overly rational approach where we disconnect from the emotional level we're not really able to have a profound connection with somebody else either because we're not really home we're not connected to ourselves and and then we can't connect to somebody else uh, either yeah because so many people say they just feel so alive again when they fall in love because um, mm -hmm. it's very hard to be in your head when you're in love isn't it so what is the way then if you're saying leading from the head is not so good then like if you live a passionate life um that has direction and purpose it, it is this skill isn't it of in a way riding those passions in the right way that isn't control you're saying so um you're checking in where the passion comes from, where the passion's going to for a few minutes, and then what? Um, passion somehow, if, if we have to speak about passion, because of course emotions are, are one thing, and then there is passion, like you would talk yeah. about a passionate person or sure. someone who has passion for life. And, and generally speaking, we consider it a positive thing, and maybe also a little bit difficult. <laughs> Many people have this, I think, ambivalent relationship to passion and passionate people. A bit scary yeah. as well. Yeah, because yeah. they're very alive also, people who are very passionate and, 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 and somehow very inspiring, but maybe also, some say, a bit too much. <laughs> somehow the feeling, because there is a lot of energy. And, um, and actually that intensity of a person who is passionate is, is what we're often feeling the most. Now, being passionate somehow is that we can say a certain inner dynamism that mobilizes you know, all our energies and, and kind of intensifies the whole emotional spectrum inside. So it's a very dynamic inner state. If you think of a passionate person, you, you do get this feeling of a move towards something or a certain impetus. Whereas if you think of a person who lacks passion, it's this kind of being a bit flat and a bit inert maybe. Uh, not really having a driving force. Now, often when we think about passion, I think we think about this somehow irresistible pull of our desires. And then we kind of just get lost in a very passionate way where we mobilize ourselves to fulfill those desires that we're feeling. And, and then sometimes afterwards, we kind of look around at the destruction and think, okay, maybe that wasn't the best idea, which I think is also why it scares us. Because somehow that passion seems to be consuming or or taking over and, and sometimes maybe taking us in a direction that afterwards seemed to not have been the best one or at least maybe i've had some consequences that we didn't desire and <laughs> that maybe even can take a while to recover from um and 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 that i think is why we also have a certain apprehension towards the idea of passion wanting it on one hand because there is something there that is very alluring and inspiring and, and kind of something that we feel is needed for a life that is fulfilling and at the same time it seems to be something difficult and and a bit dangerous maybe <laughs> um but i think the key is very much in, in in what you're speaking about now with this idea of of, of how we control and, and and relate because for sure also when it comes to passion 
um, it, it can be destructive. I mean, and we can say it's sort of an inferior passion or a passion that is simply just being pulled to fulfill certain desires that might not even be good for us. Um, that can indeed be dangerous and counterproductive even for our happiness and well-being. Um, but there is such a thing as a, we can say, elevated desire um, that is an, an inner dynamizing and mobilizing of, of your potential and your force towards achieving something that is, that is good for you, towards having pleasure and having fulfilling experiences that are actually beneficial. And you're not going to wake up to the ruins of your storm afterwards. Um, and, and, and that that also stays in this element of, of self-awareness and, and of being able to be conscious even in the moment that you follow a passion. And I, I think somehow there also this setup we have um, in modern society of, of very much considering anything that you do on purpose also is over-controlled and a bit boring. <laughs> somehow we have a little bit this idea. It's again this uh, confrontation between uh, paying attention or concentrating or being aware and, and relaxing. Very often we have this idea that when you relax and enjoy, that also means you switch off. <laughs> you don't even think about what you're doing. You don't notice it. You kind of just, you know, veg out <laughs> when, you, when you have a relaxing and pleasant experience. Whereas when you have to pay attention and you have to uh, give a direction or you have to be present with something, it implies an effort that's a bit tense and, and often even somehow maybe unpleasant, which, which is why I think it's so hard for us, this idea of bringing awareness and control to our emotions in a way that it still stays positive and doesn't just become oppressive. Um, it's a fundamental tantric attitude, actually, this attitude of awareness and relaxation one of the, the fundamental things to learn in a tantric practice is to be able to be really attentive and present and have awareness of what is going on and at the same time relaxing in that experience. So bringing the, the two together in one. It is even, even said to be the secret of happiness. Passion. Sorry? Even in the state of high passion. Even in the state of high passion. It, it, it sounds like something difficult to achieve, but if you think of someone who serves for a surf, like a, someone who is, is surfing on, on big waves, they're not in a state of tension. They would fall off their surfboard immediately, but still they have to be super present and really pay attention to what is going on because one wrong move and they're also gone with the wave. So, so that's kind of intuitively, we can say the state when we are surfing our passions or our intense emotions and and experiences yeah, i can't imagine the surfer being relaxed though there is a certain relaxation in the body though because if they're stiff as a board <laughs> they oh, can actually stay on the surfboard there is a certain element of relaxations while you're extremely present in what is going on that that is what it takes to keep the balance even in a bit more less glorious, I suppose, example, even if you're riding a bicycle, if you're very stiff and you don't adapt to what is going on, you can't actually cycle. But as you're learning, you still have to pay attention. Now it's true after a while, you almost don't have to pay attention because you do it sort of automatically. But as you're learning, you actually have to learn that skill when you're learning how to, to cycle. To pay attention very much to all the time compensate but still you can't stay stiff as a board because that's when you're falling all the time. At least I remember that clearly. 
So what would be the equivalent to um, learning to surf with emotions? What, what, what are the kind of starting things other than being attentive or as attentive really is? Um, for sure, it starts mostly with self-awareness um, and, and it, is a, it is an inner skill to be learned, which I, I do believe we learn best if we are integrating methods such as meditation, uh, mindfulness, yoga practice, we need some support to learn that attitude because yeah, it sounds easy. All you need to do in that moment is to stop and become aware and then approach that experience um, with an attitude of relaxation and openness. Now, of course, there is a key here in when we are relaxing, we are sort of allowing and opening up. So this uh, a state of, of relaxation and this state of, we can say, awareness and relaxation manifested in this surfing example, it, it does imply this element of, of allowing and embracing. And, and that's an important thing to remember in that moment, very concretely at least, um, not to judge that emotion because very often what also happens, we stop and we notice, I'm feeling angry. Why am I feeling angry? I shouldn't feel angry. That's stupid. It wasn't even something you should get angry over. That's really silly. Let's just, now you even expressed it and that's so embarrassing and whatever judgments we can put on it or even just trying to push the feeling away. In, in that moment, we already start struggling and tensing and controlling in a forceful way. Um, what we want to do is to accept that that is happening right now accepting that we feel angry, accepting that it's difficult, <laughs> accepting whatever is there. Now, you might say that then that means if I accept it, I will also start <laughs> behaving extremely angrier in a way that's really inappropriate. It's rarely the case, actually, um, because when we can sit there with the emotion, allowing it to be there and also remembering it, it's ours. Because when I notice it's my emotion, I start to also take a certain responsibility for feeling that. And, and that already makes me relate to it in a different way. It makes me manifest it in a different way. Remembering that actually it's a very precious, precious moment that tells you something about you in that moment. What is going on with you? Uh, what attitudes you are having? What experiences you are having in this moment? And then you can even become a bit curious about what is going on rather than being really busy somehow manifesting that anger or um, directing it towards who you think is, is um, the guilty one of, of that anger or responsible for that anger. Um, so, so that's where it starts. But, but of course, um, being able to do that, you need to have certain skills. And, and I would say for sure, those who, who practice meditation and, and yoga and others of such practices are way more prepared for having the degree of awareness and self-control to actually do that in a moment of intense emotions. Thank you. So what exactly is emotional intelligence then? Is that when you have a lot of awareness about your emotions so your emotions can guide you in the right direction? Is that what you would understand by emotional intelligence, much underrated, I think, today. Yeah, I think it gained, it gained a lot of popularity, uh, actually, because it, it was realized how important emotional intelligence if, is for a happy life. Um, because a person with emotional intelligence is also somebody who have fulfilling relationships, who 
functions better at work because they're better at interacting with others, solving conflicts. Um, so even we can say at a very functional level, it, it was acknowledged actually as something that is important. Um, if we're still so good at, at actually educating and supporting an education in emotional intelligence, I think is a different story. Um, emotional intelligence also essentially starts with that self-awareness. The, the fact that you are able to become aware of yourself and of your emotions and therefore you are able to take responsibility for your emotions and to express them in a different way to kind of communicate what you're feeling and experiencing in a much more conscious and responsible way that also becomes constructive um, it also comes along with empathy a person with emotional intelligence has empathy and, and can feel others can understand others can relate to others Whereas if you see a person with very low emotional intelligence, so not, not really understanding their own emotions, maybe suppressing them, they're also very, very bad at understanding other people's emotional experiences um, and reading other people's emotions. And, and therefore their interactions tend to become very awkward or often not fulfilling because it's difficult to relate on an interpersonal level in, in those cases. Yeah. And I know it is such a corny thing to say, but you know, my experience in relationships with men is you just assume they know what you're thinking and feeling. And, and this always annoys men as well. They, they want you to express it because I can usually pick up what the man I'm with is thinking and feeling loads of times. And I always assume it's reversed and um, there is this mismatch often that goes on, so. Yeah, <laughs> it is a bit of a corny thing to say, and it obviously doesn't apply to everybody. But um... no, but I think many women, truth be told, feels like that a bit. I mean, and, and kind of also because we think it's so obvious and, and maybe very often we even feel that we expressed very clearly what it is we're feeling and and kind of therefore expect the other one to notice and to see. Um, a part of, of emotional intelligence, we can say, is also to be able to communicate your feelings. Um, but, but when that is said, somehow being intelligent with your emotions does also not mean that you, um, I can say, exaggerate the awareness of them in the sense that you are just focused on what you're feeling all the time and you want to talk about feelings all the time, whereas maybe and otherwise the impression can be a bit. Um, it means you have... A, somehow more, I would say maybe more like a sort of a real-time relationship with your emotions. Because I think very often where we get caught into emotions is also when we linger on them endlessly. Um, when we linger on that experience which happened days ago because we're still thinking about it and we are still evoking actually that emotion over and over again. Instead of just leaving it for what it was, we can say a, a feedback in the moment a feedback about that interaction, maybe that experience um, about yourself in relation to that experience, obviously. Um, but in that way, our emotions is a, is a wonderful gift when we let them be a real-time feedback. Because it's maybe especially women, I'm, I'm not saying that all women are necessarily more emotionally aware or sensitive than men, but nevertheless, maybe statistically speaking, it is so that we are a bit more aware of our emotions. Um, and often I, I know women, they, they 
feel a lot of things, even regarding different life situations, different people in their lives and so on, um, which they kind of overrule. They don't listen to feelings they have about certain experiences that actually turn out to be very right, very true somehow. That, that real-time feedback that came in that moment saying, this was good or this wasn't good, it's something we shouldn't overlook because there is a, a very important, we can say, guidance somehow when we learn to relate to the emotions in, in real time. Because the problem is when we get caught into this overthinking and amplifying, we distort that image a lot. Um, where often we, we can't even tell when there really is or what the feedback really is in the moment because there are so many layers of um, of projections and on top of that experience. And um, so, so the whole, we can say, re-educating of our relationship with our emotions is very much about checking in in real time to notice the feelings, the emotions that are going on in this moment and, and to start to understand those, to sort of put them in relation to what is happening and most importantly, to put them in relation to yourself. And, and, and then feeling the richness of the experience that comes out of that. Um, because in the absence of doing that as well, very often we have this feeling that our days go by a bit flat <laughs> without anything maybe standing out and, and being special or extraordinary or, or deeply touching. Because we move even the emotional experiences we have, we move it into the mind and we just go and think about it. And then, then you're not even available for what is happening right now. If you're still thinking about what made you angry, th angry three days ago, you're not present with what is happening in your life right in this moment. Sure. You miss out of it, on it completely. Whereas if you, if you start to check it in real time, you will also see that you can let emotions go as you solve the problems. Because if you can relate to the emotion in real time, right now when you get angry, you feel the anger, you notice it, you notice your inner reactions, you choose to respond to it by going and talking to that person, solving the situation, you can just let it go. And you can be with the next thing that comes up as it's coming up, rather than being unavailable for life in the periods that you are ruminating over that one experience that happened maybe a week or sometimes months ago, that makes you unavailable for life and, and kind of actually disconnects you a bit from your immediate life experience and, and therefore also from yourself. Um, which is why emotions that are drawn out like that also can be extremely exhausting. Yeah, it's quite um, almost contradictory in a way that emotions and passion actually can really bring you into the present moment, which is what we're all trying to do on a spiritual level, isn't it? And yet behind them, there is all the past and the future mixed into it. Yes, definitely, which, which is which is also actually why somehow we become able to experience a much more profound passion in, in the moment that we are able to be fully present. Like even if we talk about profoundly pleasurable experiences that are amplified um, by this state of passion and even the emotions that come along. If we think about intimacy, that's at least the first thing that comes to mind for me when I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, when I'm thinking about passion is, is erotic interactions or being intimate with your beloved and, and the states of pleasure that you can have in that, in that intimacy. Um, 
now the depth of such an experience to the point of ecstasy, we can say, is given by an elevated passion that comes along with a very nuanced emotional experience. Um, and if we're not able to be present, but we're caught, you know, in our mind, either thinking about what happened earlier in the day or last week or the fight that we had with our beloved a few days ago, whatever it is, you, you can't experience that intensity. You can't actually open up to the ecstasy that's possible in that moment. Um, so so it, it, is, it is what gives this depth of, of flavor and intensity and fulfillment and satisfaction in different life experiences. But it is indeed very dependent on our ability to actually be present with what is happening. Because otherwise, it, often we just fall into this more, we can say, inferior manifestation of passion, where somehow we, we get pulled out, out of our mind indeed for some moments because the dis, uh, pull of desire is so intense. But it's not necessarily with positive results, as we know, because it might be the desire to just escape it all and... I don't know, get really drunk and then we do really stupid things and then we feel really bad the next morning or whatever it is, which isn't necessarily something that's good for us. Whereas if we're able to do it on purpose, for instance, we could make love <laughs> and then have in that experience these intense states of pleasure and, and ecstasy and elevated passion that fulfills us profoundly and completely re-energizes and we can say rebalances our being instead of being kind of stuck in these depleting thought patterns around different emotional experiences. Yes, yeah, so that is obviously one of the gold gold things within passion and it's um, it's moving from fear of passion to be able to then go, as you say, to more elevated states. Um, and I guess the fear is acting incorrectly really isn't it to put it mildly um, from passion anyway i think generally speaking when we speak about emotions we're, we're very afraid of being incorrect i mean after all there was the whole trend of being cool i'm cool no matter what <laughs> sort of meaning i'm untouched doesn't matter what you throw at me i'm not going to feel a thing and and if that's kind of the standard being very correct and very controlled can be difficult to learn to give space for emotions. Um, also because I think for many, especially in the process of learning to connect and to be honest about what we feel, obviously there will be some, maybe even from our perspective, embarrassing expressions. Maybe we are not so correct. Maybe we cry in the wrong moment. Maybe we raise our voice. Maybe we get red in the face or whatever will happen somehow if we allow ourselves to, to feel the emotions. So, so I, I do believe that's a kind of an obstacle. It's difficult for us because we feel it's not correct to show emotion. But, but that's also a fear I think we need to face and, and realize it's not. I mean, the only reason why we consider emotions are dangerous is from the perspective that we don't believe we can control them. Um, and therefore we tend to suppress them, suppress them until they burst out and we indeed can't control them. And maybe it can even be dangerous because it's such a violent outburst when finally they're allowed to surface. Um, but to remove at least this embarrassment around expressing emotions when, as for most people, it is done in a way that isn't 
bad for anything or anybody really i mean why is it so embarrassing if you if you feel a bit emotional if you cry if something upsets you um, it is a good question to ask ourselves why that is so terribly embarrassing because it's just a human expression and we all feel it i mean in different moments or trying to hold it back perhaps or push it away or wait for a more appropriate moment to express it but the feeling itself for sure we all know and, and the different expressions of it um, and and they're allowing ourselves to be authentic in the way that we express ourselves um, of course still within reason because it also doesn't mean that we <laughs> necessarily need to express the whole range of emotions completely unfiltered when we're in the office or something um, but nevertheless giving ourselves space to feel emotions and to express them um, hopefully gradually in a more and more harmonious way is a very important part of, of becoming more emotionally intelligent as well. Because often you can't really relate to an emotion until you feel a little bit of space to actually express it. Many times that's when we go home and we cry a little and that's when we allow ourselves to feel that we are sad or that we got really hurt or, or whatever. But many times we put on a brave face when, when we are out amongst others and, and we are, we're very concerned to express too much emotion indeed. So thank you. Uh, I think what's so important about this subject is, um, firstly, it is the way to become really alive, isn't it? Not to suppress feelings and emotions. And the other really crucial thing is to learn emotional intelligence which obviously if you're suppressing emotions you're not going to learn that very effectively are you and then you do get a more um would you say truer guide to life um yes because we're actually connected to life in that moment i mean when when we are um, suppressing any kind of emotional experience we are suppressing the experience itself in that moment which is what connects us to life I mean there is a relationship between the one observing what is being observed and that whole process of, of interaction as I said somehow the emotions is what is making something an experience not just um, biological machine regi registering something you know collecting data there is the personal experience in connection to life that, that comes actually with the emotions around what we are experiencing and, and that makes it an experience we can learn from we can grow from we can understand more about ourselves and we can feel life we can understand life in a direct way and, and therefore we are connected to life and feel alive and the, the sense of separation is, is also to a large degree connected to this disconnection from our emotions that therefore disconnects us from the experience of life, being in touch with feeling life, we can say, or being touched by life. Thank you. So just to close, Maria, um, what, what can you say, maybe give three things that our listeners could do towards transforming these passions, emotions, feelings into gold, just three practical things. I know you probably said most of it already, but just to synthesize. I think first of all, to realize that they are gold, even if in the moment it seems that it's difficult or challenging or 
what you're feeling isn't pleasant, to realize that it is your experience and it is telling you something about you. And, and this is always a, a treasure, we can say, the opportunity to learn more about ourselves, to understand ourselves better. So, so with that attitude somehow to realize it, it is a treasure we're having there. It's not something we have to make into something else. Because this attitude of allowing is really important if we want to have a different relationship with our emotions. It's not, as I said, the same as indulging, but rather in accepting and cherishing the emotions for having a role and a purpose and an importance. And then already we will start to change the relationship to them. Um, secondly, cultivating self-awareness, the ability to be aware. I would very much recommend anybody who wants to have a different relationship to their emotions to start practicing meditation or yoga or different mindfulness techniques to, to train or gain, gain the necessary, we can say, skills to be able to do that. Because it sounds very easy, it sounds nice, that that's all you have to do to begin with, to become aware. But it isn't easy if you haven't trained the skills. So, so find different practices that can help you to, to train um, those skills. And then I would say even this idea of cultivating positive or beautiful emotions. Um, because I think very often we just get too focused on getting rid of the ones we don't like. Like somehow, how do I stop being angry or how do I stop being depressed or how do I stop feeling obsessed or whatever it is. Um, but maybe we forget to focus on how can I feel more happy? How can I feel love more? How can I feel um, joy and pleasure and so on? How can I have more of the emotional experiences that are actually positive? And to start to cultivate them on purpose. Notice what makes you happy and do it with that degree of presence somehow. Not just focused on the experience because sometimes we we know certain things makes us happy. I don't know, spending time with a beloved um, makes us happy. And then we want more of that. But then we stop being present in that experience. We also don't feel the happiness so much because we're not paying attention to the happiness. We're just paying attention to being together. And then suddenly being together doesn't make you as happy anymore because you forgot to nourish the feeling of being happy. So whenever you do something that makes you feel happy or makes you feel joy, in other ways give you a beautiful feeling, focus on that feeling. The feeling of happiness that you feel when you are with someone you love or when you are doing something that really uplifts you. Notice that feeling of being uplifted and really pay attention to it. And, and that in that way will help us also to feel more fulfilled and enriched by the goal that is there. Because I think for many of us, we just tend to pay more attention to the things that are unpleasant and we don't even notice the gold that is actually there also throughout the day the moments that are beautiful and happy and where we feel beautiful feelings they get less attention and we take them for granted so to really cherish them when they are there and to feel them to be really present again here meditation practice will make you much better at that also well, thank you. It's been a real delight to have you on the Quantum Questions podcast. Maria, um, did you want to give a link for anyone that wants to join your courses at Tara? Just what is the actual web link for that? So our website is tarayogacenter.co.uk. 
And there you can find out more about our courses, workshops. We also, as a charity, run a lot of free events and lectures on different topics. This just being one of many. Wonderful. Yeah, you do some amazing work. So we'll also put the link in the description of the podcast. Thank you so much, Maria, for sharing your pearls of wisdom on this subject. And we'd love to have you back another time. I'd love to. Thank you very much. If you'd like to know more about the quantum questions, please go to the website www.thequantumquestions.com.